2: Welcome back to the huddle. Mike, Max, Pete, Nigerian, and a very special guest. Mark Trestman uh, grew up here, played football here, uh, went on to a storied career as a coach, uh, really took him all over the country, been a head coach in the NFL, the CFL, won Grey cups, the bears and everything else. And he's nice enough to spend some time with us uh, this morning, talking some football. Mark, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: Oh, uh, Mike, Peter, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And, uh, Looking forward to catching up here.
2: Yeah, you know, I, let me ask you, I, I, this COVID thing, Yeah, sure. I know it falls under a category of uh, if you're a coach of adversity and next man up and all those things. But take us behind the scenes a little bit, uh, Mark. When you're coaching a team, a position coach, coordinator, or head coach, when adversity strikes you like this, what do you try to do to make guys forget that they're going through this adversity and focus on a game? How, how difficult is that dance right now?
0: Well, the, the the big picture would be in simple terms is, you know, football's the greatest game going because it's a zero-sum game, and, and that means that somebody's going to win and, and somebody's going to lose on every play. And with that, you're going to have adversity when you lose, and you're going to have to learn about humility when you win because when you win, you find out it's not about you. It's about the interconnectivity of everybody involved. But, you know, adversity is an opportunity, and I think Peter would agree he's – he was through it as a player, in his lifetime we all have that it's an opportunity to grow, to learn more about yourself on a day-to-day basis, and to learn more about your team. So, you know, the buy-in comes in when there's peer-to-peer accountability within the team that everybody recognizes that they're interconnected, that they have each other's back, and, you know, it's just working through the daily process of trying to find out more about yourself and uh, the long journey of trying to find out the kind of team that you really have. And, of course, in the NFL, winning and losing is really what it's all about. But what goes into it is is daily coping with it not going your way. And when it's COVID, it's not really going your way or anybody's way. And hopefully the health and safety of the players and their families and coaches are, are the number one priority, however it's dealt with. And, uh, and along the way, you're going to experience – success and with that success you have to remind yourself that it's not about you it's about all the people throughout the organization from the janitors to the head coach to the quarterback and owners and everybody in between that goes into the process of winning.
3: Mark, I got to tell you, it's uh, it's such a pleasure to have you on, and and we go way, way, way back, and 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 dude, there's so many connections. By the way, I, I unfortunately had to face more adversity than I ever wanted, Maxie, <laughs> when I was playing for the golfers. That's why you've done so well in the financial world. <laughs> I got to tell you, it's a very humbling thing at times, but uh, but that it to, to Mark's point, it, it it makes the reward so much better. You know, as a a guy who went 1-10 one year with the Gophers, and then we turned it around a couple years later with Lou Holtz and went to a bowl game and beat Clemson, you know, I appreciated that moment more than anybody probably, Uh, me and the guys who'd been there when we were 1-10, so that adversity is always something that uh, it certainly is a big part of things, but Mark, I'm curious about this. I know that you and and Tony Dungy at at times were roommates on the road when you when you were playing at the University of Minnesota. And I'm I'm curious. Bob Stein was with us last week. I, I think you guys are are pretty friendly and know each other. But uh, he's now going into the Hall of Fame. What did What did you learn from Tony? And and did you have a relationship with Bob? I I, I know Tony, you know, is just an amazing gentleman. He really is, and I think you think the world world of him as well. But between he and Tom Moore, I know I'm bringing up a lot of names, but uh, I'm sure a lot of these names were very influential for you.
0: Yeah, 100%. I think, um, you know, growing up, Bob was, you know, was all about Hank Stram and Bob playing for Kansas City. That's what I remember. And, uh, and Bob was a mentor in, in terms of me going to the university and, and what the university would would bring to my life. So I owe Bob a lot, and we stayed in touch throughout the years and, uh, and uh, consider him a friend. As far as Tony goes, we've obviously had, you know, we, we were around each other a lot during our years uh, uh, at Minnesota, and Tom Moore was our coach. He recruited both of us. So um, everybody knows or, or should know that, that Tom was um, Archie Manning's coach during the time at Indy, and, and Tom was uh, uh, Tony's coordinator. But, you know, when you look back at your life, you, 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 you begin to see in your narrative, the people that influenced you and you know tony was one of those people because he was ahead of his time as a as a as a uh, a 19 and 20 year old old. he was even killed he was emotionally intelligent extremely bright strong-willed and you know i always remind people that he wasn't just a great coach but he was a great quarterback in the big 10 i think he led the big Mm 10 in passing uh with tom as our coordinator one of those years Mm so um you know tony is just you know, consi- you know, consistently. I think consistency is the best way to describe him. Ultimately, humble, a uh, very gifted in his ability to communicate to everybody on any level, and uh, just a great human being. And watching him as a father of multiple children, and how he and his wife Laura have have handled uh, Laura have handled uh, their 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 life along the way and the adversity that they they've had, as well as the success, is uh, is something we all can be proud of.
2: Mark, you know, you talk, you use that word emotional intelligence. Mark Trestman is our guest and you look at young quarterbacks and, uh, you know, the, the Vikings will face one tomorrow in Justin Fields. Kirk Cousins is a veteran quarterback. You, you go through this December thing. What does emotional intelligence mean at the quarterback position and how quickly into a career can you tell if, if someone has it or doesn't have it, whatever that it is, to be an NFL quarterback?
0: Yeah, well, the, the it factor is Justin Herbert and and we all see that it's really apparent when we watch the tape. It's he's able to self-regulate and stay calm. Uh, he's got nerves of steel. He's able to be functionally intelligent, which means, in my eyes, you know, the game slows down. He can manage the chaos and make make good decisions when you know there's eleven guys trying to knock him down. Basically, um, I think that's a great example of emotional intelligence, just being even keeled and consistent. And be able to handle the noise, not just on game day for the three or three and a half hours, but during the week. You know, they don't win them all, and they haven't won them all in L.A., and they haven't lost them all. And somewhere there, he consistently has a humble way of representing himself, being the face of the organization. So I think that's a really, really good example. And you know, I think Kurt Cousins is a great example of consistency. You know, in terms of how he's he's managed and handles his career and. You know, I look at the NFL as a 58-plus-2 game. You know, the last two minutes, you know, probably 65 to 75% of the time, games are decided there, and this is where quarterbacks are really in a position to, uh, you know, make their team, you know, something special and make make them special in their own right. So that's kind of where I look at emotional intelligence, being able to manage the highs and lows, stave and keel, and be consistent in how you handle yourself.
3: Mark as a coach you uh you you have an unbelievable career when you look at at all the different stops along the way like so many other coaches but uh one of the stops that you had along the way was with the Raiders and uh, 2001 2002 an absolute turnaround and, and and led the NFL in total offense but you also had a a quarterback there who you I, I think brought to the next level. Talk a little bit about Rich Gannon and 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 what you did with him. He became the MVP of the league, guys. I mean, that's just uh, it's extraordinary.
0: Well, I was just proud and privileged to uh, you know to coach Rich. He was the uh, master at uh, ultimate, and you can see it in his work today. I think we all see it, and and I think we all should be really proud of what Rich is doing with his career now. He is. Of great content, preparation, study, his ability to communicate. You know, a lot of quarterbacks sit in the front of the room, and most of them have during my career. Rich sat in the back of the room, and uh, he was the guy who watched everybody, and and really was the sergeant of arms to make sure everybody was paying attention. And uh, we were just able to, you know, with Bill Callahan as the head coach at the time in 2002. You know, we decided we were going to throw the ball to win, although a couple of games we actually ran it more than 60 times to win. Uh, but we decided that with the offensive line we had that it was it was easier, easier to throw it and win with the team that we had. And Rich, through his preparation, his attention to detail, his toughness, his courage, and his, you know, with all great quarterbacks, they are accurate. And Rich was naturally accurate. And He was just in the right place. I was in the right place at the right time to coach him, and I think together, in some sense, we were kind of a perfect storm, kind of rehabbing our careers, and uh, and and knowing that, uh, you know, what was important now was just giving it everything we had, and we had great talent around us, and Tim Brown and and Jerry Rice, they were older, we had we had Garner, we had a great offensive line and good defense, so it kind of all came together at the right time. But Rich was the mastermind. And the master impetus behind it, and i'm just uh was so proud to have coached him and, and proud to to watch him and his family uh, over the years
2: Mark, you know you mentioned offensive line, and the Vikings have been doing kind of a uh, not by committee but i mean it, it's cut and paste this uh this year because they, they they draft the number one guy he's been in and out, christian Daro they like what they see then they they, they change one part, so they got to move it all around. What can you do as a coach if you feel that your offensive line, say, is average at best? What can you do to what? scheme around that? If if you if if you're you know you've got a lot of moving parts or whatnot in that in that in the trenches there, what what can a coordinator do to try to negate that?
0: Yeah, well, I think that's a great question. And one of the things I found that the teams that really play well in December are teams where offensive lines. Have been together the longest through the year because they've learned to work together. This is a an incredible masterpiece that offensive linemen, you know, have to put together. The continuity that's involved, as Peter knows, you know, knowing the game the way he does. But you know, there there's ways to incorporate extra protectors and still get people out. And you know, six inch steps matters. I will be said that. You know, football is not just blocking and tackling. It's a complex science that coaches have to have to make simple, so players can go out and do things, you know, uh, almost without thinking about them, you know, as they play each play in the milliseconds of each and each and every play. But as a coach, I think it's you know, as much as you can, it's just simplify the nuances uh, and and make each player understand that their six-inch step is critical. Uh, to protecting the quarterback. And the most important thing that a line does is if they can allow a quarterback to complete a throwing motion, there's a pretty good chance that the quarterbacks at this level will complete the ball. Mm.
3: Mark, one last question. I know we're pushing up against time, but I'm just curious, and I'm sure other people are as well. You're such an intelligent guy, and you put your words together so well. Tell people what you're up to right now, because you're not involved in football right this moment. Tell everybody what you're up to.
0: Well, not being involved in football wasn't by choice. Um, you know, I was enjoying being the general manager and the head coach uh, down at uh, at Tampa uh, in the XFL. And I did that kind of as a buffer between uh, NFL stops. And uh, I was hoping to, to get back in the NFL. And when that didn't happen last year, uh, I had been on uh, the advisory board of the University of Miami School of Law where I went to law school. And they asked me if I had a gap in time where – uh, I could teach a leadership course, which I think all universities kind of say they're doing, but they're not really doing. And the most important thing we can do in any profession that we're in is, is to develop leaders. I think that this is because of the hyperconnectivity. and Peter, you know this better than anybody, of information and the hyperconnectivity that our world has right now. Everybody has access to the information, you know, therefore everybody can lead. And so because everybody can lead regardless of their role, you know, everybody needs to learn that and find the leader within them. So I, uh, we inaugurated last year virtually a leadership course, which I call Playbook on Leadership in the Law. And it was a phenomenal experience. I built a locker room with some uh, assistants and and some great, you know, law students, some MBA students. And uh, it was a just a, a such a worthy time to be able to you know be a part of what I called our locker room yet yet uh you know not not being able to coach football and they asked me this year to do it again and lengthen the credits and do it on campus so I'm going to do that and uh, hopefully there'll be a football opportunity involved but if if not um there's certainly a lot of satisfaction in uh, in the job that I have right now down at the University of Miami School of Law
2: Mark, great stuff as always, and I'd love to take that class, but I'd love to sit in. To, <laughs> Me too. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and maybe one day we'll go down there. Beat, we will. Uh, but, but, Mark, appreciate it very much, and uh, you're one of those great slices of Minnesota that we love staying in yeah. touch with.
0: Absolutely. Well, Mike, I'm I'm nice, really Mark. proud to have been on tonight. To appreciate it, and uh, Peter, please say hello to John and all the best to your 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 wonderful family, and happy holidays to everybody back
2: home. Really you appreciate bet. it. Thanks. Yeah. Mark Tresman, nice enough to join us. Great stuff. And
0: uh... How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage.